Looking at the green and sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that great intro, <laughs> thanks Gabby for that. Please keep that. <laughs> Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome back for another episode. I'm Mike. I'm Gabby. And I'm Sophie. And this is Sophie's Choice Murders and Mysteries. We're back here for another good story this time instead of a, a short Monday episode. This is going to be a full episode. We're excited about this. Sophie, what do you have for us this week? Actually, Gabby. It's your time to shine. Oh, my turn. Gabby. Whoa, my time to intense. shine. Sorry. <laughs> Gabby is going to be presenting the story this week because this is our indigenous case for this month. Good deal. I'm excited to read. I've been practicing my reading. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I typed it oh, so man. you know the grammar is okay. Yes. I appreciate you doing the research, Sophie, on these stories and yes. especially the missing and murdered indigenous mm. women. I know it's such a tough topic sometimes to talk about, mm. and but I think it's super important and I'm really happy to be the voice of your words. <laughs> not so much that it's more frustrating because there's no information not only is it not publicized obviously when it's not publicized there's like no information to yeah. get out there but well either way thank you for finding the information you can't find <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome all right so this week's story is about misty upham so keeping on trend for our chilly locations however this will be our first case stateside in a bit since for the last few weeks sophie's been picking cases from chillier parts of the world. We did the first serial killer in Russia, had the mystery from Norway, and then our kiddo case from Canada. As promised, I will be presenting indigenous cases as we go along here, hopefully bringing you guys content for many more years to come. But your murdery crew here strongly believes in bringing light to murdered and missing indigenous women in addition to our kiddo cases. So I did reach out on Facebook to about Five family members of murdered indigenous peoples, most of whom, like, the news articles were really vague or didn't have a lot of details. And I'm currently actually corresponding with a mother who is from Nebraska who's willing to talk to me and have her daughter's story told in the pod. So I'm hoping by us covering these people's cases, it kind of puts pressure on local police departments to give mm -hmm. these families some well-deserved answers. And so hopefully there will, well, there will definitely be more indigenous cases to come, but... Hopefully some with some firsthand family accounts. Yeah, and hopefully something comes out of them, right? At the end of the yes. day, that's that's the goal. Yes. Is that by telling these stories, people know about them and mm -hmm. right. something happens from yeah. it, right? Like, the police is going to not respond to a family that's laying quiet and ex not accepts, but like right. is a little bit more quieter about not having answers as opposed to like a whole community backing that family that right. doesn't have answers. And I think a lot of times, too... This is super unfortunate, but it really depends on where they happen, like mm -hmm. where these murders and where these child, 
people go missing from if it's on a reservation a lot of times they don't have the support mm-hmm. yeah that is needed to you know right. go into finding these people the mm-hmm. publicity They're, or the resources right. or exactly so let's talk mystery guys because sophie's choice this week is the truly sad case of native american actress misty upham I just have to give a credit where credit is due. Kristen Malaris Young wrote such an in-depth, stunning article for The Guardian out of Seattle because this case takes place in Washington. I barely used any other sources for this. So thank you, Kristen Malaris Young. Shout out. Of The Guardian. Okay, jumping in. On October 16th, 2014, right outside of a Washington city called Auburn, which is about half an hour south of Seattle, lays the Muckleshoot Indian Reservation. A man by the name of Charles Upham had been on the hunt for his 32-year-old daughter, who at this point in time had been missing for 11 days. With no assistance or sense of urgency from local Auburn Police Department, Charles Upham had organized a small search party compiled of his family and other members of the Muckleshoot tribe. It would be five days into Upham's search efforts at Auburn, Way South, and Elm, near the Muckleshoot Casino, that they would unfortunately find what they had all been looking for. Friends Robert Kennedy... Not that Kennedy... (laughs) Tlingit Athabaskan and Jeff Bearhand, Gila River slash Navajo, took time away from their work and families to search for Misty. After a few hours of fruitless searching, Bearhand consulted a map and zeroed in on a wooded area that was both secluded yet in the middle of the city. It was known as a place where bad things happen. As the two family friends were walking along the edge of the ridge, being careful to crawl down the steep edge of the cliff, It was here where Robert Kennedy noticed something purple among the foliage. Once he picked up the heavy object, he knew it was a purse. Feeling his heartbeat quicken, he hastily dumped out the contents. As soon as he did, his eyes zeroed in on a prescription bottle with the name neatly printed on the side, Misty Upham. That's when he knew. At the same time, Robert was sifting through his purse findings. Jeff Bearhand continued carefully down the side of the hill. At first seeing nothing but trees and vegetation, with the sound of the water coming from the river down below. He continued on until something silver caught his eye. Starting to freak out, his words, not Sophie's. Yeah. (laughs) He thought what he was seeing could potentially be a silver grayish shoe of sorts, but he wanted to make sure before he alerted the rest of the group to what potentially could be a false alarm. Once he lowered himself over the cliff, using rope and a tree trunk, he began hacking his way through blackberries, It's at this point, Jeff notes, he lost all his strength as a knowing feeling began to sink all the way down to his gut. That kind of feeling you get when the truth is just so painful, but you know in your heart what awaits you at that next turn. He continued walking and hacking every little bit of ground he covered, filling him with more and more dread. He didn't want to look, but when he turned, that's when he saw her. It was there at the bottom of a 100-foot embankment lay the body of his friend, decomposed, riven by the fall and scavenged by animals. What became clear through the Guardian's freedom of information request for the city of Auburn's emails and police records referencing Misty Upham is that police officers spent more time responding to media and members of the public about Misty's case than they spent emailing each other about actually finding her. So what led to a rising Native American starlet being out in the wilderness? Why did local police fail to locate her? It instead falling into the hands of her own family and community members to find their missing loved one. Buckle up, murderies. As we unfold this case of Misty Upham, which I find as both a potential murder and a mystery. 
According to her obituary, Misty Ann Upham was born July 6, 1982, and was the youngest of five children. She grew up in Montana and Washington, moving on and off the Blackfeet Reservation according to her family's financial needs. Her father, Charles, was a music teacher. Her mother, Mona, a homemaker and occasional entrepreneur. They raised all their children as evangelical Christians. According to the Guardian article by Kristen Malera's Young, which Sophie used for most, if not all, of this research, both of Misty's parents were sent to boarding schools under the federal policy that eroded indigenous cultural and linguistic ties across the country. And I just wanted to note my, yes, my great-great-grandma uh, also went to a boarding school. I wanted to say, yeah, I, I, like, I came across Misty's case only because I was researching that case that you had told me months ago. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was like, oh, fuck, I can pump this out quicker yeah. than that case. Because yeah. that whole Canadian thing is a huge controversy and like yep. rabbit hole. But I did come across that quote that you said, um, Charles Upham, he did make a comment on a different podcast. And now, of course, I can't remember what podcast I was listening to, but he had said the same exact quote that you had, kill the Indian, save the man. Yep. Same thing. That was He the, and his wife had heard that. At that was the, the whole schools. point of these boarding schools. Yes. Yep. To whiteify Native American people. Yeah. So I was like, oof, that's gross. Yep. So still, Charles Upham wanted better for his children than reservation life. He was determined to take his kids away from the reservation where so many young people fail out to a place where they could get an education and have a grounding experience. He told his kids that they were going to learn that there is a stigma associated with being an American Indian, that people were racist, and that they lived under the stigma of alcoholism and being uneducated. Misty would find that out the hard way in the city of Billings in Montana, where her family moved so her father could pursue his college degree in music education. She had a friend who used to play with her and have her over at her house until her mom found out that Misty was native. The girl's mother told her she couldn't play with Misty anymore, lest she get bugs. Oh, that's super sad. I know. And like, as a kid, you're just like, wait, what? You're like, bugs, what? This was shocking to the young girl. She naturally took this home to her father and couldn't understand what that meant. What bugs? Misty would later talk openly about being gang raped on the reservation when she was 13. She wrote about the physical and emotional legacy on her blog, the struggles and triumphs of a Blackfeet native with a dream, which was made private after her death. In it, she wrote, first, there's the physical pain and never being able to forget it. The fear of having someone hold you down, the cheering and the laughter. All these noises won't leave my mind. I keep hearing it like a ghostly voice, but the physical is nothing compared to the mental. That was not her first rape either. It would come out later that Misty had confided in friend and producer Heather Ray about being abused at a young age by a family friend. Because of these traumas, Ray said Misty was extraordinarily sensitive and contended with high levels of anxiety throughout her life. Misty was not alone in her suffering. More than one in three Native women are sexually assaulted in their lifetimes, a rate 2.5 times higher than other U.S. women. While her parents tried, they were not able to protect her from being damaged by her environment. During her time on the reservation, Misty became infected with H. pylori bacterium, common to places without clean water and proper sewage control and causing stomach ulcers. She threw up repeatedly until stomach acids ate her teeth and forced her to use dentures. It was fresh from that experience that Misty summoned the courage to declare her hopes to the world. She would become an actress, not just any actress, the best. Fern Renville is the managing director of Red Eagle Soaring, the native theater group that gave Misty her start. Renville said Misty exemplified Indian persistence. She was tough as nails. She never expressed self-pity 
she would express pain or angst, but not self-pity. Despite being told by her first drama teacher to find another line of work, she kept at it for five years, writing, directing, acting, finding her way in performance, her father said. Eventually, Misty was filmed auditioning in Seattle. At the age of 20, she appeared in her first feature, Skins. The roles kept coming. Edge of America, Expiration Date, Frozen River, Big Love, Django Unchained. Misty only suffered from dry spells when she refused to take res roles, portraying Native Americans as stereotypical drunks. Charles left his job so he and his wife could stay with their daughter, who could not handle being alone. I did just want to say, like, a lot of aspiring actors and actresses, especially minority roles such as Misty, to decline those roles. Mm -hmm. Like, who's the actor that plays Fez in that 70s show? Uh, I don't know, but I know... You know how yeah. they kept implying they had no idea where he came from. He had to, like, over-exasperate this, you know, outlandish accent with the broken English, right. like, because that was one of his first big roles. And now look at him, like, yeah. he's the fucking hottie in Grey's Anatomy popping up, and he's, like, the hottie, like, yeah, and everything else. And he was even cute back then when he did that 70s show. So, like, you know, always... Mike's like, mm, meh. <laughs> Mike's like, I'm a guy. <laughs> but, like... You know, having to bite that bullet because they're thinking in that state of mind, like, oh, I'm a minority. I have to bite the bullet and do these right roles. These but are the me- only roles I get to play because yes. of how I look. Or yes. Right. Yes. Because that's mm-hmm. the stereotypical whatever. So like hats off to her for not settling for that. Like she for refused sure. to do that. Mm-hmm. It keeps the stereotype alive, you know, when you have yes, these people playing yes. these roles. Yes. You know, if it's if it's meant for like an educational purpose. Mm-hmm. maybe that's one thing right but if it's just for pure entertainment type value work it probably gets really old mm-hmm. really fast mm-hmm. like i'm just gonna play this drunk native chick yeah that has you know that is uneducated lives on a res like mm-hmm. why can't we show like something different like native americans i don't know doing normal things and like not just living on a reservation and like portraying right. that because mm-hmm. it just it almost reinforces it to the, the rest stereotype. of the world right yes yeah, yeah it is nice when they do bring in historical ex- experts mm-hmm. or consult uh, consultants yeah to make sure that it's actually accurate to how people are living like what but, the wendigo director didn't do <laughs> you mean right yeah exactly <laughs> when he yeah, just like made of. it up yeah he's like this is what i think so this is what we're i was do. like what do you mean kind of he full-blownly admit that he didn't do any research he was like, this looks good. This is what it looks like. And then just went with it. I think after like going back and taking a look at what he said about that, it wasn't that he didn't do a lot of research. No, he admitted. He said, I didn't do any research before I created this thing. I didn't think he said that verbatim. I think he said it differently than that. But I trust Sophie because she, was like, she yeah. did the research. research. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, continuing on. Their repeated moves, accumulated debt, and occasional homelessness left a heavy load on Misty's young shoulders. She cleaned houses between casting calls and film festivals, working tirelessly to keep her and her family afloat. Misty would later declare that acting had saved her from darkness many times and that most Native children have dreams just like every other child, but they may never touch those dreams because of poverty and isolation. She wanted to change that. Melissa Leo, who co-starred with Misty in Frozen River, was one of a constellation of supporters who let Misty... Oh, like, like a group. Okay. Compilation? No, it's from the article. It's copy and paste. Oh, okay. Right. She worded it like a, a constellation. constellation. Like a constellation. A group of people. Yeah, I was just like, 
Was, I that, was that a typo? I, I, yeah. Anyway. I just saw Melissa when Leo I, in an amazing Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal. Is that how you say Gyllenhaal. his last name? Gyllenhaal. Movie called Prisoners. It is a like psychological thriller. Oh, but yeah. Oh, my God. It's so good. Anyway, highly would recommend. Not that Misty's in it, but uh, Melissa Leo is in yeah. it. So, anyway, Melissa was one of a constellation of supporters who let Misty couch surf as a respite from the needs and fights of her family. Misty had an extraordinarily complicated family life and reality, she said. People saw her talent and overlooked the rest and hoped and prayed and helped her as we could. I feel like she missed like as much as we could, but that's fine. This pattern continued after Misty left California for Washington to stay with her father as he recovered from a stroke. Misty and her parents moved into her sister's apartment across the street from the Muckleshoot Casino and downhill from the shabby forest where she would meet her death. Her father would go on to tell The Guardian that not just friends, but family as well, had said she was addicted to benzodiazepines. 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 Good stab. Unless you work in pharmacy, you're probably not going to. Yeah. They make I have, a, on I have a chemical engineering degree, so I can kind of like somewhat do, but I was like, I blocked out OCHEM for my life. Mm-hmm. Biodiazepines to quell her anxiety. In her ongoing effort to bring her emotional and chemical balance under control, Misty had prescriptions for Prozac, Ambien, Anavan, Xanax, Zenlaxifene, and Zoloft at the time of her death. Did I say that right? Venlafaxine? Yep. Venlafaxine. Yep. Venlafaxine. Okay. Where do they come up with these names? <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. And I, I think they in just, pharmacy for five I think five they're years. like, yeah. pick like th- pick five letters. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I'm going to try to make a word out of it. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's like, it's like okay, you get medicine an, X, name. an X, an A, an A, and an N. Yeah. Xanax. <laughs> I do feel like a lot of them are based on Latin, Latin roots sometimes. Maybe. Or yeah, a lot of them they Base, do name them after people's last names, but then they like throw in a whole bunch of other letters yeah. and shit. Yeah. So it's like taking, it's like McMullen, and then it's like let's throw some fucking X's and P's in there. <laughs> McLazaprone, M- McMullen xylophone, <laughs> McLazaprone. <laughs> That's a okay. B- oh, before you read your little post-it note, I just want to say that is a fucking lot of meds. Right. Okay. So the. All, that's what caught my eye when I was like glancing through the article and was like, do I, is there enough information here? Do I want to do this? Is there like a mystery or murder in here? That part alone really caught my eye because it just struck me a bit. And for those who don't know or just listen to the minis, because I know that there are some people who don't listen to the full episodes. They just listen to the Monday episodes and vice versa. I've worked in pharmacy for almost five years as a tech. So it, it's just kind of weird. Prozac is fluoxetine which is for depression and then a lot of people would use it for their cats or dogs who have anxiety zoloft is just sertraline venlafaxine is actually one that i'm on but that's a generic for effexor so those are all three antidepressants but they affect you in different ways so like i used to be on all three of these but it's just sometimes when your body builds up a tolerance for a medication it's just not quite working for you or producing the serotonin that you need and then ambien which I feel like most people on the street know. The, that's the brand name, but Zolpidem is the generic. That's for sleep. But it has side effects like sleepwalking, violent sleepwalking, nightmares, night sweats, things like that. Venlafaxine, which is what I'm on, it's an antidepressant. It has side effects like if you miss your dose, you're going to have what they call brain zaps. It feels like it, it feels like caffeine withdrawal, but worse. So like the first time I experienced brain zaps, my head felt like it was spinning and I threw up on the kitchen floor like and I couldn't move. 
and I was home alone with Archie. That's what happened when I missed a dose. So what do you do when you like they're getting off of it? Do you have to just like you have slow to taper down? down. Yep. Yeah. You, you have, have to taper like, down. I'm done. I'm not taking this anymore. You have to like and lean I, off of it. Almost. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I kind of consulted with one of our friends who is a pharmacist on it because I was worried about it take before I took it. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, yeah, that's only like 10% of people. And then I was like, oh, I can't be that right. I am 10%. <laughs> but that's then it kind of clicked for me because I was like, holy fuck, that's why patients get so upset when they don't have refills on it is because those are the side effects. And then the two, it's kind of weird to be on Xanax and Ativan, which are both they're alprazolam and lorazepam they're basically the same thing they're for anxiety so mm-hmm. it's just kind of weird to be on both and then the sleep one and the two anxiety ones those are all controlled medications right and That's when a meds so much yes when a med's controlled when it's controlled it's it's controlled because it's easily abused or very addictive so the benzodiazepines are very addictive but it's just kind of weird to me to be on the xanax and the ativan at the same time because alprazolam and lorazepam are both for anxiety they basically do the same thing they're in the same exact family like yeah it's not like a why taking... do you think she was on that many then yeah i don't know that's what i'm saying like i feel like doctors are kind of easy quick with the pen when it comes mm-hmm. to hollywood stars or maybe just in seattle in general I, I i don't know some some psychiatrists if they don't really care about a patient like i had a a psychiatrist who wasn't really working with me or who wasn't a good fit for me i should say yeah she was just kind of like you could tell she was in a hurry she didn't really care about your problems she just like real quick would write prescriptions and she's like what what do you need you have having sleeping let's get you on a control and i was like no i don't want to take controls right like, i don't want a dependence issue and she was like you have anxiety let's give you all prazolam and i was like i, I don't want I I don't that's not what I want so she basically would like write a script to get rid of the problem not actually dive in deep and you know yeah why are you having nightmares what are they like so then when I switched psychiatrists she was able to like get to the root of that and she was like oh it's not that you have trouble sleeping it's that you have severe night terrors because you have PTSD let me put you on a different sleeping med and I told a friend of the pod what I was on she was like, oh, that's very common with, like, soldiers who come back and they have PTSD and have trouble sleeping. It's for the... PTSD. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I was like, A you... lot of times I feel like... I mean, I don't want to overgeneralize, but I think just in general, Western medicine tries to just put a Band-Aid on the problem instead of actually mm-hmm. fixing right. the problem. Mm-hmm. Even, like, birth control, which is what I have experience mm-hmm. with. I was put on Zoloft for anxiety and depression mm-hmm. but certainly yeah yep yeah but i one. i hated it i was like nope i can't do this it, no so I, I felt like a cartoon character I on felt, sertraline i like i i, did, I was like I, I i don't know what's going on but and i had only taken it for like a month and people were like oh yeah. you need to you four need weeks to, you know let it and i was like i i can't do this so i stopped taking it so i'm not on anything and i also got off birth control which is also just mm-hmm. another band-aid for hormone imbalances yep. honestly so i'm very skeptical a lot of times of if you need medicine take your medicine i i'm not saying we should not take medicine but just make sure that what you are taking is actually a good fit for a you. good fit and treating the problem and not just covering it as up. we like to call it in pharmacy like make sure you have a good drug cocktail so like when yeah. i was on sertraline i got out of the hospital because i was hospitalized for suicidal ideations I got out and I was smiling ear to ear, 
Somebody ran into my car later that day. I got T-boned by a teenager two weeks later. And I was like, this is great. No, it's fine. Like everything was just so great. I wasn't myself because I was so like level 10 happiness. Yeah. And everything was just great. You spilled my $8 coffee. It's okay. That's great. Oh like my God. I was like That's a scary. fucking cartoon. Yeah. My coworkers were terrified of me. They were like, what is happening? You're too happy. Stop it. Are you okay? Yeah. yeah. But I didn't fe- but it, I but couldn't you're not feel having anything. The, you're not having the appropriate reaction Correct. to what is actually happening. Like right. getting hit in a car accident. Like you shouldn't just be like, oh, yeah. wow. Oh, thank you. I've been waiting to be T-Vode. Like, <laughs> oh, you stole your parents' car and you're fucking on your way to meet your secret boyfriend in Duluth and you T-Bone me because I had the right of way. Dang oh, it. No. <laughs> it's okay, girlfriend. Yeah, no. Yeah, I. that's, I, that's where it's like, like yes you wanted to be happy in general like people want to be happy people right yeah. i think yeah hopefully right. but it should be the appropriate level of reality too at the same there needs to be some balance yeah. some people are just too dang happy well my coworkers even said they were just like it it it's not you it's not you yes yeah. it was like they it sucked out you. all the sophie and then put in this med and it was just so plastic and freaky like yeah. it was weird and i was because when i told them about the car accident thing they were like and you spilled your coffee while when you yeah. got hit and they were like normal you would have been so pissed upset. about the coffee right. yeah you would have been pissed about the coffee yeah. more about your car hi i'm pharmacist barbie <laughs> yes yes so i was like it's really important so then after i had archie and i started showing signs again of suicidal ideations because i had postpartum psychosis which is more severe than postpartum depression I didn't want to go back on meds because Zach was like, you need to go back on, you need meds. And I was like, I can't do that again because I was like fucking Mickey Mouse and it was so scary. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, finding a good drug cocktail is important, but her being on so many things that are like the the same. The two benzos that are basically the same. And I've been on sertraline, which is the one that made me like a Disney character. And then the one I'm currently on is the venlafaxine. They do do different things and make you, like, treat depression from, like, different angles, I would say. Yeah. And the fluoxetine can be more used for anxiety because, like I said, we dispense that a lot in the pharmacy for dogs for, like, separation anxiety. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just kind of weird. Maybe it... Maybe she went to multiple like doctors, maybe. Doctors and- yeah, maybe. Or like I said, maybe it was like my first psychiatrist who was like, oh, you have anxiety? Let's just give you these. Or, like- or maybe it was... You know, she had all the prescriptions for mm-hmm. these and was trying different ones. And maybe, oh, maybe yeah. she wasn't because yeah. was this she had prescriptions for all of them. She that doesn't necessarily mean she was taking all of them at the same Correct. time. Right. So yep. but they did. The friend who found her purse found a lot of the prescriptions in her purse. Okay. I just couldn't find which ones. Yeah. It's like maybe I want Zoloft today or, mm-hmm. you know, however she's feeling. Mm-hmm. She like takes a different drug, which doesn't seem like what you're supposed to do. That's right? not kosher. But yeah, you're supposed to just take like. <laughs> you know one your your few daily right mm-hmm. so interesting okay i did have a regular patient who took ambien because he had he is a vet sorry mm. a veteran not a veterinarian he took ambien which sulpidum we usually dispense the generic for the sleep and i he brought it back and he was like i can't take this blah 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 and i was like oh did you have you know nightmares or whatever and he was like no i had night terrors i would get up sleepwalk destroy my kitchen break dishes and shit and then i would go to sleep and i'd wake up in the morning all sweaty and i thought that people had kept breaking into my house 
So he got a security system. And then come watched to find out himself. Was him. Yeah, and watched himself rock all his fucking dishes. Oh, man. He was that the, would be the worst. It was. Like, I can't do anything about it, and I can't be mad at anyone, because it's me. But he was so, <laughs> he was the coolest old dude ever. But he was like, so I guess I'm just not going to sleep. And I was like, I'm so sorry this didn't work for you. And then he's like, no, yeah. fuck these drugs. But yeah, he was so chill about it. He was just like, I would rather not sleep than fuck up my whole kitchen. Like, yeah. Yeah. night after night after night. And I was like. It's like the scene from Step Brothers. Sorry. It's been so long I don't since know. I've, I've seen oh, Step Brothers. Okay. Yeah. They both sleepwalk and they go into the kitchen and like throw stuff into uh, the oven or something and like from the fridge into the oven. They, I don't know. Oh my God. I don't God. think they actually took anything. Oh my God. I was like, could you imagine if they turned it on? And no, this... but they just, they're breaking dishes and whatnot. Oh my God. And... Breaking dishes yeah. up in here. Oh. Uh-huh. That's a Rihanna <laughs> song. <laughs> All right. It's called Breaking Dishes. Just oh. so you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow, that's, okay. that's a good, that's it's an appropriate relevant. name for it. It's relevant. Yeah. All right, back to the story. Like many low-income people living with mental illness, Misty relied on emergency room care after she moved back to Washington, in part because she had difficulty reestablishing psychiatric care to continue her prescriptions for depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, and PTSD. I also wanted to point out something. One of my mentors at work, she actually lives in Seattle, and she was telling me about the medical care in seattle because she lives out there and she used to live in minneapolis and she was saying that minneapolis healthcare is like a hundred times better than it is in seattle there is yeah i mean we have a lot of pilot programs here though but there's just a lot more here like a lot more availability and people to like go see different you know like therapists and there's (laughs) just not meredith gray yeah, so which is ironic. I was going to say ironic because yeah. like Grey's Anatomy takes place in Seattle. So people are probably like, oh, there's, you know, lots of stuff there. Apparently there's not. So reading this like actually makes sense nice based insight. on what I've been told just yeah. from someone who lived in Minneapolis for like 10 years and then moved out to Seattle and was like, I can't find a therapist that has openings. I can't find, you know, there's like one children's hospital in the whole area you know and it's a huge population so much more sense because whenever i look at nursing contracts i told you guys when i feel shitty about school i look at nursing contracts (laughs) to see how much money i'll be able to make but anyway the highest ones are honolulu california and seattle so that makes sense because there's a need yeah i was like you that's yeah that makes so so much more sense now that you said that you're gonna work your ass off though if you're there yeah i was like, like they're usually in the er departments or like the neonatal units but that makes so much more sense now i was like seattle why the fuck would you why would you want to go to seattle just she's like it's just crazy like i just didn't expect that because it's such a populated area Mm -hmm. for them to not have the medical establishment that you would expect it's just kind of bizarre so anyway you're saying tv lied to us Oh my what? god! Also, that's really relevant to this story. Oh yeah, what happened. no, that's yes. why I was like, wait, this this <laughs> makes that makes sense. She can't find a psychiatrist because there aren't enough there. Perfection, mm. wow. from what I've been told. Or they're all busy. The well, ones that are there, they're there all busy. There aren't enough because yeah. they're packed. Yeah, there's yep. not enough openings, right? So. I was Just like, here, such a concentration of messed up people. Excuse you. But. Oh my god. <laughs> We're all a little messed up. Oh, I was yeah. like, what an ass. I'm on a three-month waiting list right now for a new psychiatrist because mine just for fucking left health partners, and I'm so sad. Because mm. she actually listened. She wasn't yeah. like, oh, you're trouble sleeping. Let's give you fucking controls. Right. right. 
So, reliant on the Indian Health Service and perhaps unaware that she could supplement her health care with other resources under the Affordable Care Act, Misty was not able to secure a psychiatric appointment to continue her most critical prescriptions until late November, more than a month after she died, and more than five months after she moved back to Washington, according to her father. I literally got so sweaty when I read that because, like I said earlier, with the venlafaxine, my head felt like it was going to explode and I threw up like a cat on my kitchen floor. And Archie was like, ooh, that's gross. Like, <laughs> my toddler. And I, like, was crying. My head was pounding. And then when I've gone out in public and I forgot a dose and I'm driving, oh God. it feels like something is literally, like, zapping you in your brain. Like, and that's just for venlafaxing. Not counting the benzos, which are highly addictive. So, like, you're going to experience addiction withdrawal. And then, like, I, I shared my veteran patient with the ambient thing like I don't know she had side effects like that but I think it's a huge thing I have two really close friends who are diagnosed with bipolar and they're able to function normally because they take their meds every day so like I couldn't imagine if they had an episode and something happened to them or they went missing and nobody went to look for them like you bet your sweet ass I'm going to run out there and I'm gonna be worried about them and make sure that they didn't have a manic episode or something and that they're not missing or in need of their meds so that's all i want to say about that well 70 percent of american indians live in urban areas only one percent of the indian health service budget addresses urban programs according to the urban indian health institute this massive funding discrepancy shortchanges many people in serious need still misty kept her sense of humor during an er visit to treat a panic attack a nurse asked her about working with meryl streep I said, sure, Misty wrote on Facebook, but not while you're holding my pee. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Amid a flurry of film promotions, Misty learned she was pregnant, announcing on May 28th that she would name her child Leaf, whether it was a boy or girl. The identity of the father remains unclear. She was going to keep the baby, a baby boy, her father said. She started keeping a journal for him, telling him who he was, how much she loved him, and what she ate that day, anything and everything. Leaf gave her the reason she had been looking for to stay sober. She quit drinking instantly, Renville said. She was very firm. But less than a month after announcing her pregnancy, Misty wrote on Facebook, I am losing my pregnancy as we speak. I don't know if it is stress or what, but it breaks my heart when people mention Little Leaf. I trust God and there is a reason. Leaf will return to me someday and it will be under better circumstances. Thank you for all the prayers. Now I can focus on helping my parents to keep me busy. Family and friends said that her emotional state frayed as summer seeded to fall. Still, she used her online presence to promote awareness of issues that many others try to hide. On August 18th, she posted, I'm doing something that may be career suicide, but I thought, how will people understand what we're going through? The mentally ill. I will be one of the many who have decided to be honest with my feelings not to get sympathy or attention, but to let people know there is such a thing as mental illness and it is more common than you think. It doesn't discriminate nor favor. It is the edge of loneliness. But that with help, there is a sunny side. There's always a sunny side. I she had a good outlook on it. It kind of reminds me of... It reminds me of... Oh, on Instagram, I... For a long time, I was posting about, like, just fashion and life and, like... Yeah. I think social media went down this rabbit hole of like, you are just posting your highlight reel yeah. and everybody's yeah, yeah, life yeah. is great and everyone's comparing to each other and 
I saw that and I wanted to be different than other creators. And I did really talk about like my struggles with drinking, my struggles with mental health and all the things that I started, you know, I just started posting about all that kind of stuff just to show people you're not alone and it's like okay to be struggling and really show that side and I actually had a lot of people reach out to me and like thank me for talking about it because it it is hard when you're just consuming 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 and it almost makes everything worse like your mental health I think Hmm. if you're if that's all you're consuming right so to see that from someone with i mean obviously i I don't have that big of an online presence i don't think but it doesn't really matter if you have a presence or not i guess but just having someone share about it and let people know that they're not alone i think and she was doing this back in you know this was early like 2014 Mm -hmm. so i think that's way before the time of kind of this revelation of hey maybe we should post about real life things and not just our highlight reel Mm -hmm. because this was this was in the depth of highlight real social media, right? So <laughs> I think that's why I'm so detached from social media because every time I go on there, I'm like, it just makes me feel shitty about myself. It doesn't make yeah. me feel good. It's not benefiting me in any way. Yeah. But also I love that. That might have she... to do with what you're consuming though. Oh, yeah. Who what you're, you're following, what you're, what you're watching. At. I was like, all my friends have fucking kids and they're like, I love being pregnant. I love stretch rides. Not all your friends. And... Mike and I don't have friends. Well, yeah. well, don't yeah. have kids. Don't have friends. <laughs> Mike Great. and I don't have kids is what I meant. Sorry. We, we, are, we are your friends and we don't have kids. <laughs> That's true. Mike we doesn't also post. Don't, yeah. But You're yeah. welcome. You're welcome. I have no, he has no content <laughs> for I, me to honestly at this feel shitty about. Too. Yeah. Mm. So I also saw this stat that there are more women that don't have kids than do have kids at this. Wow. Like we're, we're reaching a turning point of yeah. it's more women not having not kids. Have kids than it is to whoa yeah Mm -hmm. so it might literally just be what you're consuming is all these mommy people i don't know oh my well yeah everybody from college that i went to they're like all having fucking they're on their third kid and they're like i love being pregnant yeah see those are the people that i hit mute mute or unfollow (laughs) magical (laughs) fucking unicorn i don't need to see that (laughs) i changed my social media to follow things that i like Mm -hmm. instead of necessarily yeah you know what i mean so instead of just fall i, I don't use it as I don't, than... I don't use it as like i'm gonna fall, like, that's what facebook is for honestly where people i fucking hate facebook like i hate it so much but <laughs> because i saw i'm engaged i'm married like that shit i just i'm mm-hmm. like i don't like that's great i bought yeah. a house good blah, for blah, you like good for you i don't care <laughs> <laughs> i want to see people's outfits <laughs> or i want to see skating content or whatever it is so i've tried to change my like, I still like my friends, obviously, and I right. want to support them. But <laughs> Facebook is very personal, whereas yeah. my Instagram and TikTok, I feel like, is less yeah. personal people. I don't know. So that kind of makes social media fun for me because I'm like, oh, they're talking about content creation or they're talking about this. Mm. Like, you like to do lots of DIY stuff. So, like, yeah, but I follow a lot of people on Instagram that have, like, memes. Like, I have a crude sense of humor. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. But I account. see all these fucking college people that are like well, then you just blah, blah, pregnancy's fucking then, awesome then you and just like, fuck you hit the three dots and you say stop showing me things like this oh that's well my option. phone is On broken phone. so i can't do that okay. oh but what i was going to say is i love that misty um she said 
meant, which I've said a million times, especially since becoming so close with my friend Layton, <laughs> mental illness doesn't discriminate on race, gender, sexual oh, orientation. Yeah. Any, it can affect anybody. Like, yep. Because he's usually been hung up on like, I'm a guy, I can't go see a therapist or I'm a guy, I can't be, I can't have depression because that's not that's my just, gender role. And I was like, that's, that's just the stigma. Completely that's been wrong. So over years and years and years and years. Yep. Hope and health remained hard to reach for Misty given her past trauma. On August 15th, 2014, seven weeks before Misty's death, Charles called the police. Misty was throwing things and swinging scissors around the family's small apartment. Just after his call, an employee of the Muckleshoot Market and Deli across the street phoned the police. A, quote, yelling, rambling, unquote, and shoeless woman was prowling vehicles behind the business, according to reports emailed by responding officers, who wrote that Misty was hiding in the bushes and would not be coaxed out, lunging at an officer who ducked into the foliage to talk to her. I remember each of us grabbing one of Misty's wrists, then walking out with her at which point she began kicking, rolling on the ground, and flailing her arms violently while yelling and screaming. Dang. An officer wrote. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's from their perspective. Uh, she began kicking, rolling on the ground, and flailing her arms violently while yelling and screaming. An officer wrote. They handcuffed her and put her into the back of a patrol car where she, he described her thrashing on the floor, spitting out her dentures, screaming, I'm going to get all of your badges. And shouting that she would have her lawyers make all the officers lose their jobs for mistreating a movie star. In this account, Misty made a spectacle of herself. Watching from the street, her father saw a different scene. They were tapping the glass and making faces at her. She was crying and telling them to stop, that they couldn't treat her like this. And an officer said, well, if you're a movie star, why don't you call up George Clooney? Her mom was telling me to go over there. And I said, no, it's better that they don't know we're watching. I'll get arrested. But I had to take her purse to them. It had her medication, so I go over there. And he said to me, is she delusional? She thinks she's a movie star. And I said, she is. Misty was involuntarily committed that night, her third time. An emailed police report of Misty's case indicates she was afraid of being detained on involuntary hold again. Her father said a hospital worker told her she could be committed for a year. In a Facebook post, Charles Upham described the rest of the day. After Misty arrived at the ER, we went to see her, and she has a swollen jaw, black eye, and scratches, and bruises on her shoulder. I asked the ER staff what happened, and they said Misty was brought in like that. Misty said she couldn't remember what happened, but that's why she feared the police. Later on, the family would accuse the Auburn Police Department of brutality and mockery. They denied it, Charles said. We witnessed it. The Auburn Police countered with a press release that claimed they had responded to each of her family's calls professionally and with compassion. The responding officers wrote reports about that August night for administrative review, and one contained an admission that none of the other officers reported to have seen or heard. Based upon the totality of the circumstances, it appeared to me Upham's severe level of intoxication had caused her to fabricate her profession as a Hollywood actress with a Hollywood agent. I sarcastically questioned Upham about her profession and asked if she had ever met Hollywood actor Robin Williams. At one point, I interrupted her threats by making an abrupt and spontaneous babble noise in an attempt to distract her from her rants and get her to quit yelling. What the fuck the point is that? <laughs> Do you know Robin Williams? Uh, like, like, 
that's not like how is, the call up George Clooney thing also bothered me. I was like, that's not how it always worked. Like that's not that's yeah. It, just because you were an actress or an actor doesn't mean that you know like the every every single... fucking famous person. Like, right. <laughs> that's not how it fucking works. It is unclear whether Misty sustained the scratches and bruises claimed by her family due to some prior event, police brutality, or as a byproduct of being dragged out of the bushes and handcuffed against her will while awaiting medical transport for psychiatric evaluation. But to frame this officer's sarcastic mockery and gibberish as professional and compassionate is, on its face, untrue. I also didn't like that he was like, oh, is she delusional? She keeps saying she's a movie star, as if like a Native American, like a minority like herself couldn't be a fucking actress like i didn't like that or or given like where they were maybe because like think of like where they're living maybe and and not not to discredit the race or whatever Mm -hmm. part of it Mm -hmm. but they're probably like they live in this like we're on our whole family lives on an apartment yeah we're in this like reservation or what are are they on the reservation for during this was she living or is it just a small town no they got out of the outside of the so so they're in some small town right and they're in uh, auburn oh yeah auburn washington so they're probably like oh you're a hollywood actress like why the fuck are you living in auburn washington Mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's also hard to uh, discern the people who are telling the truth and the liars when you are dealing with intoxicated people and i don't think it had to do anything with her race but probably the situation and the fact that she was intoxicated and of course you always have to as a police officer i don't actually have an experience as a police officer but in these exchanges you kind of have to err on the side of like everyone's gonna lie to you to try to get out of something and because she was trying to use her fame to yeah coax them out of something then immediately that seems like a lie yeah and so but personally I, I would have you know assumed the same thing that someone's lying to try to get out of something but that's just you know the first gut reaction of of anyone i mean if someone came up to you just drunk and stumbling and they're like do you know who i am it's like i don't care who you are you're the, doing something wrong so we have to handle it yeah kind the of thing is though at least when i've been intoxicated <laughs> Do you go around telling people you're a movie star? No, oh, okay. but I don't think intoxicated people lie very much. I yeah, I oh, don't think so. I think they definitely f- make up stories. Yeah. Uh, well, in my own experience, like, when I'm like blacked me out, too. the all the truth comes out. Me same, and same. So for drunk to, words or sober thoughts, uh, which I've had very scary thoughts apparently, because um, I've had very scary words come out of hmm. my mouth when I've been intoxicated, but. I wouldn't say that they weren't true. I don't you know? make up stories. I wouldn't just I'm not be like, like, I'm a Kennedy. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm like, oh, I am famous. Like, I teach so, their own. Each so person's te- different so yeah, when drunk. It's valid, yeah. though. I'm sure people do lie, but I'm just saying in my own experience, like mm-hmm. people, Same. people usually aren't. And being around lots of drunk people in college, too. People don't usually lie and then they are saying stuff that they know that they probably shouldn't be saying. Mm -hmm. So that's where it's like if she's like, I I mean, to say like I'm a movie star, she it was probably coming across as I'm so awesome. Like, what are you doing? Like, I'm a movie star. Not which is technically true that she is a movie star. But and also but there you viewing it as she's trying to get out of something, which I mean, she probably was but right. like and you've only got these two opinions like the police's side and then her father's side which i think when it's like two solar opposites i think the truth lies somewhere in the middle so yeah. usually yeah. yeah there's t- 
two sides and the truth usually to yeah. a story. Yep. So. so I I'm not really sure what was said and what wasn't said, but I don't like the physical evidence, all of her injuries. That doesn't that's not yeah. a great look because you don't get that from like falling into a bush and like Yeah, black eye, like you kind of I mean you can yeah. definitely get that like rumbling around a in police a bush? car though. <laughs> oh, in a police no. car, yeah. yeah. If she got arrested, if she was, and was trying all, to, like, yeah, well, trying to I've get definitely out. injured myself too. When the Guardian questioned the Auburn Police Department about it, Commander Mike Herman said, Naturally, it was embarrassing for the department because we strive for professionalism. Calling the officer's actions unprofessional, Herman said, We coached him, counseled him, and noted it in his file. That behavior was not consistent with our core values. However, Herman denied that the Auburn Police played a role in the injuries claimed by her family, adding, There was a great likelihood that she was injured because she was intoxicated with alcohol and prescription drugs. When asked how he knew that the officers had not injured Misty, Herman said, Whenever an officer uses force on any subject, they are required to do a force report. And there were no force reports. Hmm. That's not that's not guaranteed that there wasn't any force then. That just means they didn't write a report. They just didn't file it. <laughs> it yeah. I mean, I know they're required to, but that yeah. doesn't mean that people are going to. Right. You know? Like we've seen with CPA in the Randall Dooley case and Gabriel Fernandez. Like, they didn't file the correct paperwork. And you can fudge paperwork. But, like... Yeah. Less than one week after officers took his daughter into custody in the Delhi parking lot for a psychiatric evaluation, Charles called 911. According to police, on August 21st, 2014, Misty tried to hang herself and throw herself out her second floor window both times restrained by her family. Misty was involuntarily committed again. Two days later, again, according to police records, Misty was cooperative, friendly, and calmed. She told a counselor that brought her to the ER that she wanted anxiety meds but had no plan, intent, or means to kill herself. The report states that Misty was given a safety plan but makes no mention of medication. Six weeks later, on October 5th, she disappeared. On that day, her father said Misty was inconsolable. Once again, he dialed 911. Charles said Misty ran off. He got his coat and ran after her. At the bottom of the stairs, he heard somebody say, Hey. The police officers walked up, he said. They insisted on searching the apartment. He told them she was not here, adding that they needed to find her now. But they made him go inside, and they searched the whole apartment, looking in the closets and everything, which took about 10 minutes. She was gone. Why are they searching the apartment when her father just told officers that she had ran out? Charles said, she could be hurt. I need you to help me find her. They said, we can't. You have to wait 24 hours for her to be missing. Herman contradicted the family's account. That is not our policy at all. If someone wants to report somebody missing, we do so right away. Police categorized that call as involving a person who was suicidal, not missing. Herman said, officers left after checking the areas in and around the family's apartment. The medical examiner estimated that she died about six hours later. Still, while Auburn police records show that a detective was assigned to investigate Misty's disappearance on October 7th, two days after she went missing, there would be no official police search party despite the family's repeated and desperate requests. They said, we don't have evidence that she's missing. She's probably off partying somewhere with her friends, her father said. Once her father called again to report Misty as missing on October 6th, Auburn police refused to elevate her status to endangered which would issue a higher alert. On October 10th, when reporters asked the police department for a press release, Commander Steve Stalker wrote that he had no plans to produce one. 
Six days into the anguish of his daughter's disappearance, Charles asked his cousin, Robert Upham, Dakota, to marshal a search party. Two days later, on October 13th, Detective Lauren Orvis, who was assigned to the case, wrote to a fellow officer to inquire about the outcome of search efforts for Misty. Outcome? Question mark. Nothing has been done yet, replied Officer Stephanie Bennett. That same day, in response to many media inquiries, the police department issued its first press release confirming Misty was missing and asking for tips. Misty had been gone for eight days. Jeff Bearhand was one of two family friends at the beginning of our tale who had found Misty. He was also the board president of Red Eagle Soaring, where Misty had first found her love of acting and being so involved with her community. Bearhand stayed with Misty for hours, waiting for police and fire departments, while officers insisted he remain at the base of the cliff, which was deemed too dangerous to allow medical examiners to examine the site. Up top, the police had strung tape to keep back the crowd. Robert Upham was yelling at the Robert Upham was yelling at them that he had wanted police officials here a week ago, to which the policeman yelled, Get away from my crime scene at Robert. Bearhand finally climbed up the slope. After he went out beyond the police lines, the family had been there and they were asking whether it was her. They were hoping, like most families would, if she was found alive. They kept asking, and the police were not telling them anything. But he knew it was her. He felt an obligation to tell them. The mom completely broke down, screaming and yelling. Everybody did. Bearhand, Kennedy, and Upham said the police did not debrief them or thank them for their service to the community. They made me feel like a criminal, Kennedy said. This policeman wouldn't say anything to me, just said, lift up your feet, we got to take pictures at, of the bottom of your feet. Didn't explain anything. If they had said, this is standard protocol, I would have understood. They gave themselves what closure they could, gathered around the zipped bag that held Misty. We were holding her body through the bag, feeling her arms, her head, her father said. Some prayed in their native tongue and some in English, burning sage and smoke, putting cedar on her body. We just stayed with her as long as we could. What became clear through the Guardian's Freedom of Information request for the City of Auburn's emails and police records referencing Misty Upham is that police officers spent more time responding to media and members of the public about Misty's case than they spent emailing each other about finding her. While the police department took to Facebook to post pictures of canine puppies and ask for tips on ongoing investigations, they did not use their social media network to distribute photos of Misty during her disappearance. If Robert and I weren't there that day, she could still be out there, Bearhand said. So I am incensed that this governing body, the Auburn Police Department, didn't do the very least for Misty, for her parents, for and for her friends. If they'd brought the search dogs out, they would have found her in 30 minutes, Charles Upham said. Herman replied that calling out search dogs is not practical, since their canine search for bad guys, not missing persons. What? They use the they use search dogs to search for kids when they're missing. How can you say that? Like, yeah, you give them anything for them to scent, and they're scent dogs to track a fucking scent. Like, well, do they do, actually do that, or have they, we been told that they do that? No, they. I've seen them. They use them. Well, in documentaries, they use them okay. to find missing kids. They're, like, or if, even if it's, it's like looking for a dead for body. Every, like, oh yeah, cadaver dogs. Yeah, it's probably I've different for every too. police department though. But think about 9-11. They had dogs going in and searching for Rescue all the bodies. Rescue dogs, yeah. 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 So there are dogs that are trained. Maybe these canine right. dogs are... Yeah, and so this specific police department <sighs> might not have the luxury to um, to do that. 
Well, then you call them in. I don't so, know. Okay, I was like, this is another issue in American police departments. Like, like you need to get off your high horse and you ask somebody else for help that has the resources you do. Like, for the longest time, a lot of cases went unsolved in the 70s because local departments were so, like, pompous. This is my de- yep, yeah. this is my department. I don't want to call the FBI. I don't have to call the FBI. And then it goes cold for 25 fucking years. And then when the FBI steps in, then it gets solved. Or, like, yeah. if you have a serial killer on the loose, think of those departments if they didn't contact each other washington to florida to idaho for ted bundy like he never would have got caught like you need to communicate you need to admit when you need help that's not a weakness oh my god that's the theme of this episode what is admitting when you need help oh yeah (sighs) so i mean granted yeah their canines might not have been trained on that specific on that right but they they could have done something that's the point right yeah there there also does need to be funding for all of this though Whenever you contact well, other departments, it's funding for them too. And I know. But this is what happens when men are in charge. That's yes. hey now. Uh, the world would be so. Different. There's all these defund the police movements going on. I don't but want then that, people are but... people are saying, "Well, you should have done something." It's like we don't have the funds to do it because everyone wanted to defund the police. So it's I think it's a double edged sword in that situation. So you can't just. Say, well, you should have done this hmm. and you should have done that when they're not allocated the correct or necessary resources to be able to do all of that. I think that it's similar to how, like, the government with taxes, like, it's not that I don't want to pay taxes. I just want it going to the right right things. And that's how I feel also with police. But I don't don't know if I'm educated enough on, like, where the money goes with police and all of that. I don't know. To really talk on it, but... law enforcement but i disagree with the we don't have funding for it do you know how many times like in the pharmacy i was just like oh that old couple mortgaged their home and they don't have the money to afford their cancer drugs that sucks we can't get through shipment because we don't have the hours guess who stayed an extra 15 hours in the week so that they could get their chemo drugs me i didn't have to do that but like same thing with like a lot of cold cases like they don't have the funding sometimes it takes a new fresh detective who takes the time to do it who cares yeah sure so and so that's the outlier like, again the, yeah i know, you know but one it's, in a million people that you know you can pay to stay late or they're going home but we weren't paid to stay late to do that's, those things right i'm oh, saying i was the, like the that's person, my own time sorry, yeah the, the person that would stay late whether or not they're being paid yeah i just okay. everyone's situation is different and you can't just expect someone to always take on those extra hours because then um Every job would then abuse that power to make people stay extra and not have to pay them. So there are, uh, and especially with police too, there are union rules against that. I get that. But like her family and community members went out and did a job that wasn't their job. Like not even by a long shot. So like that's... Yeah, because they had a personal interest in the case. Whereas... Right. But... You know, unfortunately, cops see a lot of cases like this it's not just the one they can focus on it's not like in well, shows where no, they can just drop that. everything and but i need like, to solve this because it's personal now <laughs> but kind i'm thinking like if community members in northeast minneapolis or like the rougher part of minneapolis came and did my job to look for their own chemo drugs it'd make me feel incompetent like i didn't do something when i could have done something so that's sure. what i'm saying like yeah and that's, that's you personally you, you fucked up you wouldn't would you gabby yeah yeah <laughs> i just don't get why they're not doing their job in the first place yes, that's my problem thank you. Like, yes. they're not fine if 
Like this community member found their family member and then you're being shitty to them because they did what you couldn't accomplish right. and what like would have taken to, and you need to 30 do your minutes with job. dogs. Yes, you need to do your job. Like, oh, we have these puppies. Like the Facebook, like, Yeah, whatever. the fucking canine puppy. Look at our new litter of German Shepherds. I fucking great. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's just but, stupid. Oh, but. God. If I had just been like a corporate cog in the machine and I had looked at that old lady crying. I mean, I do feel awkward when strangers cry, but I still felt compassion something inside. I wasn't just like, that sucks you foreclosed your house because your husband got cancer. Yeah. I'm off the clock at five. See you later. Like, yeah. That would have felt shitty. Like, I just feel like there's no, there's a very, I maybe, don't think there's maybe a little uh, emotional where regard for Misty. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Maybe, Which yeah. like you were saying, like they weren't emotionally invested, but it doesn't matter. As well it's as your job. I mean, like <laughs> it's I said, your job. They, if they somebody says a, they're missing, like, I'm they sorry. They see a lot of case. They see so many cases but like this, this like so that they town. can't afford to get involved emotionally. Yeah. But this is a small town, like. Right, which speaks to even less resources oh, and God. funding. Police investigators <laughs> did follow multiple leads, but they did not locate all of the persons of interest in her case. In an email summary of police encounters with Misty, Herman wrote of his department's decision not to categorize Misty as an endangered missing person. Law enforcement is reluctant to use the category too often. Its effectiveness might be lessened. Oh, okay. That was a, this is a whole copy and paste. Yeah, that's does it not make sense? No, no, I'm just saying oh, like that like, doesn't like that's that's shitty to be like they knew they knew from previous experiences with her that she was a mental illness. Right. So to me, that's endangered person. Whether right. it was a kid, uh, a white person, an adult, an elderly person, that so person has like, a history of we, mental illness. We can't say endangered missing person because the, and that if, bothers because me. then it's not going to be as effective. Like who else is it going to? It's not going to be effective for anybody if you never use it. Especially if she was diagnosed with bipolar. What if she had been off her meds? What if she was having an episode? What if she saw every person that she walked past as a skeleton and she got so fucking scared because that's what happens when you're in the midst of mania and she just catapulted herself. And what if that had originally only been an ankle sprain and she'd been yelling for help for hours, but they didn't have the resources to go look. So how can you say that she's not endangered? Didn't she walk out with like a screwdriver? Scissors. She was swinging scissors around. You can run out and stab someone on the street. That's fucking endangerment. Like, yeah. to the public, I feel like. Endangerment to herself and others. Others. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Unfortunately, there are so <laughs> many. The influx of, you know, everyone is going to come into the police station saying, my um, my child is missing, they're endangered, they're whatever else, when a lot of those situations might not be at that level. And so it's one of those cried wolf situations where because there are so many, this is a possibility. I'm not saying this is exactly what happened because I don't know. It's a possibility that they've had so many reports of people coming in with that emotional tie to their person and it turns out to be nothing. And so they have to you know, err on the side of not believing, which is unfortunate. Yes. And it sucks that people slip through the cracks like this or, uh, bad things like this happen because of that cry wolf effect for me it's the eight days in yeah you think she's partying for eight days like, <laughs> the rest who knows like the no isn't it like if some it's like 48 hours like your first somebody, 24 hours are vital right like child adult whatever so it they're is. like oh we don't do anything until after 24 hours and that's actually, when they're actually now considered missing yes. but now it's 
a week after that. And then they're like, oh, maybe we yep. should do something. And then they're like, well, look at these hey, we found, we found her, actually. Thank you for not doing anything. Yeah, and there was job. the, who was the higher up that said that's not actually our policy. And Herman. so that, that, Herman. that sounds like a communication issue, which is a huge mm-hmm. issue. Yeah. Right? Bad communication between officers that, you know, the information didn't get disseminated down. Well, and I don't think it's their call. Like, as a police right. officer, it's not your call to, like, at the end of the day, you have a manager, you have a yeah, whoever who is going to say, yep, we're doing this or no, we're not. Right. And if you, if obviously, if they don't tell him, then they, he doesn't know. Right. right. And so it, it but, also could have been a, you know, being on the scene and the parents want to hear something's being done and the police, you know, can't just say that, you know, that's not my call. He has to say, well, you know, uh, 24 hours. Uh, we, we can't. I don't, I don't know. Because he doesn't know that information. Doesn't know yeah. when they can consider them a missing person or doesn't know what his boss is going to say about this. And so yeah. gives just a blatant answer to, I guess. Well, it doesn't look like they're. Appease the parents. Yeah. Doesn't look good. Doesn't, not, not, for Auburn Police Department. Not good looks. All right. Though his department's records show that Misty was suicidal in need of medication, brandishing a screwdriver. So, yeah, yeah. So it was a screwdriver, not scissors. I, why did I think it was It's scissors? still a weapon. You could still murder well, somebody Well, I thought with she that. had scissors, but maybe she grabbed a screwdriver on the way out or something. I don't know. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to swap this out. And quick. wanting to jump from a window, Herman wrote that Misty did not meet the police department's criteria for a heightened state of alert because she could care for herself. Wanting to jump out a window doesn't sound like you can care for yourself. Not being on your meds doesn't sound like you suicidal. Can care. Yeah, like, hello. That doesn't. But did they know that? Their father, her, her father told him. Though his department's records show all of that. Okay. So they knew. Yeah. Okay. This is concerning to Sophie from a medical perspective because if she was diagnosed with bipolar and was out of her medication or having an episode. She most certainly could be a danger to herself or others, like we mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. She wouldn't have been in the right state of mind if that is what was happening. So her family, her father, had every right to be extremely concerned. Auburn police officers involuntarily committed Misty four times or in the two years prior to her death because she was suicidal and unable to take care of herself. Despite police records showing Misty in uncontrolled episodes of hysteria anxiety, depression, and garbled language, Herman has repeatedly told members of the media that Misty was not mentally ill. She could also get into her car and drive and go to L.A. and act as a perfectly functioning adult human being, he said. Sorry, uh, I'm just like, me too! <laughs> My two friends who have bipolar, them called, too! You know what that's called? My medication. It's called masking. Taking too. your fucking meds. Actually, well, yeah, that too, because you guys just saw me have a mental breakdown and cry for the first time in like months. So I mean, like, yeah, I can get in my car and well, function. And most a days. lot of times, like I'm sure you know about this, like people who are mentally ill or like people even with like ADHD and mm-hmm. um, autism. Not that she, I'm not saying she does, obviously, but one thing that like you do is you mask to mm-hmm. appear normal in society. And the longer you mask, the harder it is to be Maintain, yourself and yeah. whatever. You so, feel like you got to keep it together for right. everybody else. So then, yeah, it makes sense that she can do that. And then all of a sudden when she gets home, it's like all hell breaks loose. Right. Mm-hmm. So 
The native search party that formed to find Misty is a microcosm of a larger effort to build indigenous justice. The scale of the need is vast. During the time that Misty was gone, she was one of more than a thousand indigenous women missing in North America. Lauren Chief Elk, Nakoda, co-founder of the Missing Sisters crowd map said pretty much everything that has happened with misty is so unfortunately par for the course the police response is very common we don't have to take this seriously because native girls are off partying they went to visit friends and will be back the immediate response is disbelieving chief l credits many layers of erasure failures by police legislative bodies healthcare systems and the media for the epidemic of missing indigenous women she also believes that the criminal legal policing system is terrorizing communities of color. The failure to work on behalf of Native people is common, said Amnesty International Research Director Rachel Ward. Ward cited a case in Alaska where state troopers refused to send an officer to investigate a rape, but sent three officers to investigate the poaching of a moose. The obstacles to getting response begin as soon as someone picks up the phone, if indeed the community reports the crime, she said. The FBI could have overseen the investigation of Misty's disappearance. Misty went missing on Muckleshoot Reservation land contained within the city of Auburn and patrolled by the Auburn Police Department. Oh, that's interesting. I did want to say, I guess this does kind of circle back to local departments asking for higher ups. Mm -hmm. FBI can never infringe on somebody else's jurisdiction. They have to be called in. Yeah. Locals have to admit they need help. Right. And they have to reach out to FBI. FBI cannot see a serial killer at work and then just step in and assert mm -hmm. themselves they can't that's just not how the judicial system works so i just okay. wanted to throw that in there good to know i don't know if that's always true unless it's a threat to national security well, then they can yeah no they're no well fbi is gonna wait when 9-11 was threatened and they're gonna like we're gonna wait no, for I new mean, york to call well, us na th a threat to national security doesn't always have to be on that big of a scale either no but well yes obviously they but can like definitely something step in like and this, take over a case not on their own not when it's little like when it's not right i don't national think in, in missing persons kind of a thing yeah security right or even serial killers they can't yep. like when ted bundy was on the loose they couldn't right nothing they have to be called in but expert Sarah Deer from the Muskegee Cree Nation, a professor at William Mitchell College of Law, said there are 115 special agents for the 200 Indian reservations where the FBI has authority. Less than one per reservation. With the crime rate as high as it is, there's no logistical way for them to be effective, Deer said. The lesson from all this for Auburn PD is to maintain closer contact with the family, Herman said. If people decide that they're not going to trust the investigation or police department and then they don't talk to us and we can't afford that. Despite the recent tribute to her memory at the Oscars, public attention surrounding the way Misty died has overshadowed the person she was when she was well. I forgot to mention earlier when she was talking about being raped, she went to the Golden Globes in like this really pretty green dress and a Weinstein executive, which ironically is the... Mm -hmm. August um, Orange County movie that I'm watching right now. That's a Weinstein production movie that she stars in a major role. But she got raped in the men's bathroom as people were like high fiving him and cheering him on when he like walked out and she had to go back out to the fucking Golden Globes. She got raped at the Golden Globes. You're yep. Saying? Okay. Yep. In her torn green dress like and that executive has never been named. He's never been prosecuted. He's never like her family doesn't even know the name of the person 
who assaulted her, so he'll never be held responsible. Friends remember Misty's talent, courage, and the delight she took in being alive. Her legacy is huge for Native young people interested in being in film. It's a door that she opened. It seems possible to them. Misty did it. We can do it, Renville said. Her family wants reform to come of their loss. We're hoping that her death isn't just a senseless tragedy, her father said, that it will mean something and provide some kind of service for other women who are out there who may become victims or for families who have missing members. A lot of this is preventable. They could have found her in the first half hour. She could have been saved. Misty had a deep spiritual conviction and a special relationship with Jesus Christ. She was a full gospel Christian by faith and attended many fellowships in her lifetime. Misty was an activist, poet, actress, musician, screenwriter, advocate, and teacher of acting. At the time of her death, she was a supporter of women's rights organizations, LGBTQA+, plus or plus. whatever it is, yeah. community, PETA, and various indigenous rights groups. Her favorite projects included Indigo Children, an acting troupe which she established with her close friends while living in Los Angeles. Misty recently moved back to the Seattle area to help her father recover from a recent stroke. Her plans were to return to Los Angeles and continue her career. Show up, hear our voices, hear our problems and issues, all you good people out there. Be an ally to our problems and issues because we have been so in the shadows for a long time and once you are in the shadow, you are not even thought about said Lavelle Wells, president of Big Elk Native American Center. You guys know Sophie always loves to end on personal notes about our victims, the real reason we're here. When Misty Upham was 12 years old, she announced herself to a Seattle classroom of aspiring performers. My name is Misty Upham, and someday you will know that name as the best living Native American actress. Years later, and against all odds, her prophecy became true. She acted alongside some of Hollywood's best, Meryl Streep, Julia Roberts, Benedict Cumberbatch, and Abigail Breslin in the movie August, Osage County, which is available right now on Netflix. It came out in 2013 and is a drama comedy for anyone who wants to watch it. Sorry, I wanted to throw I that was in like, there. I, I was like, like am I, I like, are we getting sponsored? Like, no, <laughs> I just wanted to throw it in there because I did start it last night. And as soon as I saw the Weinstein thing, I was like, oh, no. Yeah. But then, yeah, I started it because I love all those people. I love Meryl Streep. But yeah. And we grew up, our generation, us especially, because we're only like a month apart each, grew up on Abigail Breslin. She was like the child mm-hmm. actor of her time. And Mike and I are Marvel fans, so we love, I love Benedict Cumberbatch. Sorry, I can't speak oh, yeah. to you. I don't, I don't know Strange. who Abigail Breslin is. I don't either. She's I was like, my sister's keeper. Don't speak for me. Yeah, I don't like, know who that you're is. Gonna, <laughs> you're going to know her face okay. as soon as you look her up. She's in everything. She's in My Sister's Keeper. She's in... Um, oh, love that, maybe that girl. Okay, she's a child actor. Okay, she's huge. I mean, I don't. She's twenty six. She's our age. Yeah. Name a couple more things. Abigail, Little Miss what? Sunshine. She's in a lot of shit. Breslin. Okay. You're gonna know her as um, soon as you see her. Definitely, maybe my sister's yep. keeper, Zombieland, Rango. Yep, Zombieland shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I know her, who that is. And Freak Show, Zombieland, Stillwater. I, I know the face, no just not the name. Yeah. Not a household name. She's in a lot. Um, it is a household name. I mean, not in my for household. a child. Uh, well, I was gonna say like a household name would be something that everybody knows. Blake Lively. Without having to look him up, yeah. But Ryan Reynolds. But that's our age. Yeah. Those RDJ. people are like 20 years older than us. Well, still, Abigail <laughs> Breslin's the same gen as us. Emma Watson. I mean, that's a household name. And with that, 
And that, <laughs> ladies and gents, is Sophie's choice for our latest indigenous case. Read by me, yours truly, Gabby. Very nice. I tried my best. Thanks. To me, this was a mystery and potentially a murder because... Because they never figured out what happened to her, right? Did, no, no. I could not find an autopsy for this girl. And trust me, I looked. Like, yeah, that's fucked up. I fucking looked. Like, like did she fall off a cliff? Was that's she what I'm saying. And killed how, and pushed off a cliff? Like, what, you know? And, and like, the part that bothers me, I guess, is a mystery, is why didn't law enforcement take it seriously? Obviously, I think it's a race thing, because look how quickly they took Gabby Pepito. Petito, but yeah. Sorry, Petito. Sorry. White woman. Well, even, even though her fiance said, yep, she took the van and was traveling, her parents immediately, like, there was national coverage. So that was covered by the media. That wasn't necessarily covered by the police, but they media covered that. And then. That puts pressure on the police, though, to do something yes, about it. And so they're not going to sit there. In this investigation, they said that the media played a part in not getting, covering it. Oh, yeah. And, and then so, once they did, that's kind of what was like, oh, pushing them. You're right. Right. You shouldn't need the push for media. You should just do your job. Right. But then when police were having to either deal with the media or do other things or be distracted by other things, too, it's it's not all the police. It's partially the media's attention. And, um, you know, they they want to follow the the money, things, people, things that they think people care about. And. You said you said something about them focusing on taking pictures with dogs or something. Yeah, they were posting the it on their puppies, social media. Right, the puppies. Yeah, but I'm and saying that's you know what where they, they thought people wanted to see. Where they could have been like, hey, yeah, keep your eye out. Yep. that's it. That's and all so you had to do. You were talking person. about this earlier. How you changed your social media to reflect more positive things and the importance of. Men, uh, mentioning your mental health struggles and your story rather than just posting fashion things or just yeah. posting highlights, whatever things. And so that mm-hmm. that is, um, I think, very important to use your platform wisely. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't because they just want the likes and follows and the attention and like money. this is like the police, and, you know? Right. I was like, so I follow the, my local city's eh? police page and they posted about a Chinese iguana that didn't belong here being on the loose that could eat children. Because people follow it, because it's a fluff piece, because it's that they I feel like if it eats children, then... Thank you. Yeah. It should be talked about. Yeah. What? Thank you. Okay, That's I guess a whole my thing, biggest but... thing is you've got time to post about puppies. Gabby Petito's yeah. parents, this is fact, and this yeah. is why I'll never cover this case. Her parents filed missing persons report day one. Day two, media was all on that, and police were already actively searching for her. Because yeah. why? The media posted about it. No, because she is a white missing woman. The media posted about it because of that. Okay, so eight days after she's missing, the media catches wind. Why did they still not pick up their feet? They're still dragging their feet. So the media didn't post about it. So that's a media problem, not a police problem. But the media did at day eight. She wasn't okay. found until day 11. Right. It didn't. But police didn't department still the, wasn't doing anything. It didn't induce the same level Effect. of heightened reaction yeah. that it should have. But you're wanting to play dev- devil's advocate and say it has nothing to do with race. What's the one difference between those two cases? Small town versus big news story across the country. They were in the middle of fucking nowhere, though. Yeah, I right. was like 85,000 people's not small. That's bigger than Minot. And Minot even advertises sure. for missing Native American people. Yeah, so one town versus... Where's so, Gabby Petito from? 
Florida, I think. Well, it doesn't matter where she's from. Oh, no, I want to know the population of the town. It doesn't matter because it got national attention. That's the population of a country, not just one town. Right. Whereas the... But it only picked up steam right. because... Based like, on the media. So the media carried that story and spread it across the country. Everyone picked it up. But right? That's a media it, problem, not a police mm. problem. Because if it were Gabby or I... Sure. Like, she's an actress. If yeah. anything, any minority should be... A well-known one mm-hmm. would should be relevant, right? Yeah. yeah. At the very least. So the Gabby Petito one is a different case because it... Because um, she's white. She's like... Because there was a little... story behind it. There was a story to share. That, um, there was a villain that they could play on. It was a story that you could tell and spread and all that stuff. There was a lot of information or... Not very much information, but it was a, a mystery that they could share. And that's how it spread like wildfire. Uh, that's how. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, so I, popular, Misty's right? missing. That's not. Yeah. That doesn't get any but more there was mysterious no than. There was no story behind it. She's missing. So was Gabby that's, Petito. Right. But there was a, a story behind that that they could. I guess the only thing that also disperse. sets them apart is that like she was vlogging all she was an this, influencer and yeah. she was an influencer and like had a decent chunk of followers yeah who brought attention to it but misty's but a still, movie star right but people it, might not have the same level of tabs on her right which is unfortunate and i'm not yeah, defending I'm not, sure. I'm not defending the gabby petito case at all because i totally see it the same way that you do sophie like it's, okay it's i was not, like i will never no, no, cover I, it because I, I just don't have any respect for the case not the victim i have respect for the victim yeah. i don't have respect for the case i don't like that it's another missing white girl yeah national news jean benet ramsey the co-ed killers the florida girls we can name 10 million missing or murdered white chicks blonde-haired mm-hmm. blue-eyed white chicks yeah. can you name one indigenous person one Indonesian person? Yeah, because I haven't seen Ch- it Chinese? in the news. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's my point. Like, like yeah. we're not going to continue. And to, I'm saying like, it's a media those. problem. Yeah. yeah. We're not going it, to. It's a problem with the news. You're running out with a screwdriver or scissors and then for police to be like. And they know. Not, and they know the history. Previous arrests. Hospitalizations. That, sure. Because you're going to kill yourself. Nah. She's not mentally Not Ill. endangered. Yeah. Not mentally and Ill. And so I'm, I'm not saying that that, that um, wasn't a mess up from the police department oh it made us sound okay. like you were yeah. no because you guys are comparing the hugely popular uh, popular news story that was shared everywhere by the media and a not so popular news story that wasn't shared as much just because of race and it, i don't think it's that simple i think it's this police department not paying enough attention to um uh, people with mental uh, mental health issues and problems like that uh as well as the possibility that there there are different um, amounts of reports coming in, and everyone um, you know has the greatest issue in the or the not the greatest the the worst issue in the world going on, mm-hmm. and so they have to approach these situations very carefully. And I think that they mishandled this egregiously. Mm-hmm. Oh, good word. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, that was a good <laughs> descriptor word. But I I don't think race was the motivator for them not to be concerned about this it was more the mental health and maybe it was the family or maybe they would uh as well as they said something like there were uh people not wanting to cooperate with the police i i think it's a i'm sorry i think it's a race thing okay. think of 
you remember milk carton kids? Sure. So the first milk carton kid was eating Pats. Okay. White kid. Yeah. He just went missing off a bike. Okay. That's not a story, but it made national headlines. Okay. Because he's a white kid. Misty just went missing. It's the same thing. There's nothing there. There's no context. Whereas like, okay, the Gabby Petito thing, I might be able to see because yes, she was a influencer. She was vlogging the trip. Right. And yeah. The, and then all of a sudden yeah. it was. Fian- what happened? Yeah. Like, the fiance was involved. Yeah. And then the last, you know, body cap. There is yeah. something there that people yeah. speculated before she was found. But eating Pats, that's the same exact thing. Right. Kid, we a bike, went missing. Okay. So that's, like I said, a, a problem with how the media is sharing information it's 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 getting <laughs> it's coverage it's both let's just say yeah. it's both because the media isn't covering they're they're prioritizing white missing people over mm-hmm. other groups and then right. that is reinforcing the police to only give a shit about white ones because yeah. then they get the publicity. I'm just saying it's reinforcement for both the media and the police to prioritize what's going to be a news story or a good news story, right? Yeah. Because then, oh, the police department gets a pat on the back. Good job. But if they go find a missing native person who's not in the news, like, I'm not saying like they just are looking for external gratification, but wow, amazing job, guys. Like, yeah. they're not doing it necessarily always just out of the goodness of their heart to find people so i think there is this both both parties have to yeah start prioritizing not just white people right Mm -hmm. yeah and that we agree on yeah a bigger which is why we're covering the case right 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 oh and the other thing was it could have been i'm thinking like it they had mentioned you had read it wasn't a great area it's where bad things happen like the ravine is really steep what if there was just like a killer of opportunity i've read probably over 1200 murder cases and there's a lot of killers who are just like crime opportunists like like they're just waiting for yeah like like an opportunity a a rando to just off Mm -hmm. yeah yep or like because they didn't find they found her id but they found no money no credit cards no nothing so like what if the guy was trying to mug her and she had run into the woods in an episode and he pushed her down that steep ravine and like i said it was a sprained ankle or something like that and he was like oh I kind of liked that. And then ran off with her money and like did it to somebody else. We'll never know. But yeah, you know what I mean? Like the Night Stalker also started as an opportunist crime. He like ran around and he's like, oh, that guy looks single and he's home alone eating chicken pot pie. I'm just going to fucking cut him up. Like, yeah, <laughs> that kind of thing. So that was my other theory, I guess. And I don't know. I guess I'll keep yeah. my eye out for the autopsy because we still don't know how she died. That's so sad. At the very least, figure out how the fuck she died. Was she killed? Right. Was was there a sprained ankle? That's what I want to know. I was yeah. like, was there a sprained ankle? And then right. she was just abandoned. I mean, not abandoned because it's not a highly populated area. Right. But like alone and needed help. I was going to say the ravine reminds me of um, Yellowstone. <laughs> I don't know if you guys watch Yellowstone mm. at all. Mm-mm. No? Oh, okay. So there, they refer to this one spot as the train station. Oh, I have heard about that. Though. And so on this ranch, like basically, if you haven't watched Yellowstone, the train station is basically the spot where it's like the edge of a cliff and they take people who 
work on the ranch who do something that they're not supposed to do and they just off them and they just kill them and throw them off the ravine Mm -hmm. and then they never get they never get uh found that way so they say oh we're gonna take you to the train station yeah because you're fired from your job here oh my god because they he hires like ex like criminals or people who otherwise would be not employable right like out of prison or uh like one of the guys doesn't have an actual identity because he like ran away from home and then like so he doesn't he's not registered Mm. with anything so it's like in the 100 when they're like so go oh go float yourself or i'm gonna float you i don't know what that means but sure it's they live in space and they threaten to float they float criminals so they like put kick them out in space where you Uh, die basically yeah so they bring them to the train station and kill them instead of so that they can't go like away so basically so i don't know i thought you're this is sparta oh oh no i was like i don't know what you're (laughs) i don't know what you're talking about either so so basically they go to just dispose of the body there at the train station sorry dispose of the body at the train station Mm -hmm. so that's what it reminds me of what is that on their murder spot no no it's paramount plus Plus, I bought it on Amazon because it's not super like accessible of a show. You never know. Like she could have been brought to the train station. So who knows? Oh my God. Maybe she owed people money. Maybe there's there's lots of possibilities. Maybe she, because she was, <gasps> sorry, another theory just popped into my head. Maybe what if she was going to go public with that Weinstein executive and he later date her and made it look like an accident. Yeah, it's a And that's why the police dragged their fucking feet. Sure. You know, that, that's I mean, just a wild theory. I mean, it's, it could happen. Anything. Yeah. That just popped up. Especially it's super easy if he would. In a desolate if area. He, if he could just pay off the police department like, hey. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, hey. Well, that is a long ass episode. Thanks for sticking <laughs> through if you're still here. <laughs> Sorry, that was such a bummer. Oh, my God. And so long. Sorry, but I, I didn't want to leave anything out. Like, yeah, no, that was good. It was mm-hmm. a lot of details. Yes, absolutely. Uh, keep sending in your Valentine's emails. And any other emails, stories that you guys have for us, anything you want to share, any questions that you have, any comments, please leave some uh, different reviews. There are plenty of different ways to leave a review, and we appreciate them all. Thank you again for sticking it out with us. This has been our Indigenous Story of the Month, and this is Sophie's Sophie's Choice Podcast, Murders and Mysteries. And until then, stay spooky. Don't be shitty. Bye. Bye. Gabby, where can they find our podcast? You can find Sophie's Choice Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, or wherever you like to listen. Make sure to follow and leave a review if you enjoyed this episode. Email your spooky stories to Sophie's Choice Murderies at gmail.com and make sure to like and follow at Sophie's Choice Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. All our links are in the show notes. We'll chat with you, Murderies, next week. Stay spooky. <laughs>